0: chapter twelve of kokoro hints and echoes of japanese inner life by Lafkario hearn this LibriVox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine chapter twelve the idea of pre-existence part one if a bhikkhu should desire o brethren to call to mind his various temporary states in days gone by such as one birth two births three four five ten twenty thirty fifty one hundred or one thousand or one hundred thousand births in all their modes and all their details let him be devoted to quietude of heart let him look through things let him be much alone akankhya sutta section one were i to ask any reflecting occidental who had passed some years in the real living atmosphere of Buddhism, what fundamental idea especially differentiates Oriental modes of thinking from our own, I am sure he would answer the idea of pre-existence. It is this idea more than any other which permeates the whole mental being of the Far East. It is universal as the wash of air. It colors every emotion. It influences directly or indirectly almost every act its symbols are perpetually visible even in details of artistic decoration and hourly by day or night some echoes of its language float uninvited to the ear the utterances of the people their household sayings their proverbs their pious or profane exclamations their confessions of sorrow hope joy or despair are all informed with it it qualifies equally with the expression of hate or the speech of affection and the term ingwa or inen, meaning karma is inevitable retribution comes naturally to every lip as an interpretation as a consolation or as a reproach the peasant toiling up some steep road and feeling the weight of his handcart straining every muscle murmurs patiently since this is ingwa it must be suffered servants disputing ask each other by reason of what ingwa must i now dwell with such a one as you the incapable or vicious man is reproached with his ingua and the misfortunes of the wise or the virtuous are explained by the same buddhist word the lawbreaker confesses his crime saying that which i did i knew to be wicked when doing but my ingua was stronger than my heart separated lovers seek death under the belief that their union in this life is banned by the results of their sins in a former one and the victim of an injustice tries to allay his natural anger by the self-assurance that he is expiating some forgotten fault which had to be expiated in the eternal order of things so likewise even the commonest references to a spiritual future imply the general creed of a spiritual past the mother warns her little ones at play about the effect of wrong-doing upon their future births as the children of other parents the pilgrim or the street beggar accepts your alms with the prayer that your next birth may be fortunate the aged inkyo whose sight and hearing begin to fail talks cheerily of the impending change that is to provide him with a fresh young body and the expressions yaksoku, signifying the buddhist idea of necessity mayanoyo, noyo the last life akirame resignation recur as frequently in japanese common parlance as do the words right and wrong in english popular speech after long dwelling in this psychological medium you find that it has penetrated your own thought and has effected therein various changes all concepts of life implied by the idea of pre-existence all those beliefs which however sympathetically studied must at first have seemed more than strange to you finally lose that curious or fantastic character with which novelty once invested them and present themselves under a perfectly normal aspect they explain so many things so well as even to look rational and quite rational some assuredly are when measured by the scientific thought of the nineteenth century but to judge them fairly it is first necessary to sweep the mind clear of all western ideas of metempsychosis for there is no resemblance between the old occidental conceptions of soul the pythagorean or the platonic for example and the buddhist conception and it is precisely because of this unlikeness that the japanese beliefs prove themselves reasonable the profound difference between old-fashioned western thought and eastern thought in this regard is that for the buddhist the conventional soul the single tenuous tremulous transparent inner man or ghost does not exist the oriental ego is not individual, nor is it even a definitely numbered multiple like the gnostic soul. It is an aggregate or composite of inconceivable complexity, the concentrated sum of the creative thinking of previous lives beyond all reckoning. Section two The interpretative power of Buddhism and the singular accord of its theories with the facts of modern science appear especially in that domain of psychology whereof herbert spencer has been the greatest of all explorers no small part of our psychological life is composed of feelings which western theology never could explain such are those which cause the still speechless infant to cry at the sight of certain faces or to smile at the sight of others such are those instantaneous likes or dislikes experienced on meeting strangers those repulsions or attractions called first impressions which intelligent children are prone to announce with alarming frankness despite all assurance that people must not be judged by appearances a doctrine no child in his heart believes to call these feelings instinctive or intuitive in the theological meaning of instinct or intuition explains nothing at all merely cuts off inquiry into the mystery of life just like the special creation hypothesis the idea that a personal impulse or emotion might be more than individual except through demoniacal possessions still seems to old-fashioned orthodoxy a monstrous heresy yet it is now certain that most of our deeper feelings are superindividual both those which we classify as passional and those which we call sublime the individuality of the amatory passion is absolutely denied by science and what is true of love at first sight is also true of hate both are superindividual so likewise are those vague impulses to wander which come and go with spring and those vague depressions experienced in autumn survivals perhaps from an epoch in which human migration followed the course of the seasons or even from an era preceding the apparition of man superindividual also those emotions felt by one who after having passed the greater part of a life on plain or prairies first looks upon a range of snow-capped peaks or the sensations of some dweller in the interior of a continent when he first beholds the ocean and hears its eternal thunder the delight always toned with awe which the sight of a stupendous landscape evokes or that speechless admiration mingled with melancholy inexpressible which the splendour of a tropical sunset creates never can be interpreted by individual experience psychological analysis has indeed shown these emotions to be prodigiously complex and interwoven with personal experiences of many kinds but in either case the deeper wave of feeling is never individual it is a surging up from that ancestral sea of life out of which we came to the same psychological category possibly belongs likewise a peculiar feeling which troubled men's minds long before the time of cicero and troubles them even more betimes than our own generation the feeling of having already seen a place really visited for the first time some strange air of familiarity about the streets of a foreign town or the forms of a foreign landscape comes to the mind with a sort of soft weird shock and leaves one vainly ransacking memory for interpretations occasionally beyond question similar sensations are actually produced by the revival or recombination of former relations in consciousness but there would seem to be many which remain wholly mysterious when we attempt to explain them by individual experience even in the most common of our sensations there are enigmas never to be solved by those holding the absurd doctrine that all feeling and cognition belong to individual experience and that the mind of the child newly born is a tabula rasa the pleasure excited by the perfume of a flower by certain shades of colour by certain tones of music the involuntary loathing or fear aroused by the first sight of dangerous or venomous life even the nameless terror of dreams are all inexplicable upon the old-fashioned soul hypothesis how deeply reaching into the life of the race some of these sensations are such as the pleasure in odours and in colours grant allen has most effectively suggested in his physiological aesthetics and in his charming treatise on the colour sense but long before these were written his teacher the greatest of all psychologists had clearly proven that the experience hypothesis was utterly inadequate to account for many classes of psychological phenomena if possible observes herbert spencer it is even more at fault in respect to the emotions than to the cognitions the doctrine that all the desires all the sentiments are generated by the experiences of the individual is so glaringly at variance with facts that i cannot but wonder how any one should ever have ventured to entertain it it was mr spencer also who showed us that words like instinct intuition have no true signification in the old sense they must hereafter be used in a very different one instinct in the language of modern psychology means organized memory and memory itself is incipient instinct the sum of impressions to be inherited by the next succeeding individual in the chain of life thus science recognizes inherited memory not in the ghostly signification of a remembering of the details of former lives but as a minute addition to psychological life accompanied by minute changes in the structure of the inherited nervous system. The human brain is an organised register of infinitely numerous experiences received during the evolution of life or rather during the evolution of that series of organisms through which the human organism has been reached. The effects of the most uniform and frequent of these experiences have been successively bequeathed principle and interest and have slowly amounted to that high intelligence, which lies latent in the brain of the infant which the infant in after-life exercises and perhaps strengthens or further complicates and which with minute additions it bequeaths to future generations thus we have solid physiological ground for the idea of pre-existence and the idea of a multiple ego it is incontrovertible that in every individual brain is looked up the inherited memory of the absolutely inconceivable multitude of experiences received by all the brains of which it is the descendant but this scientific assurance of self in the past is uttered in no materialistic sense science is the destroyer of materialism it has proven matter incomprehensible and it confesses the mystery of mind insoluble even while obliged to postulate an ultimate unit of sensation out of the units of simple sensation older than we by millions of years have undoubtedly been built up all the emotions and faculties of man. Here science, in accord with Buddhism, avows the ego composite and like Buddhism explains the psychical riddles of the present by the psychical experiences of the past. Section three to many persons it must seem that the idea of soul as an infinite multiple would render impossible any idea of religion in the Western sense. And those unable to rid themselves of old theological conceptions doubtless imagine that even in Buddhist countries, and despite the evidence of Buddhist texts, the faith of the common people is really based upon the idea of the soul as a single entity. But Japan furnishes remarkable proof to the contrary. The uneducated common people, the poorest country folk, Who have never studied buddhist metaphysics believe the self composite what is even more remarkable is that in the primitive faith shinto a kindred doctrine exists and various forms of the belief seem to characterize the thought of the chinese and of the koreans all these peoples of the far east seem to consider the soul compound whether in the buddhist sense or in the primitive sense represented by shinto a sort of ghostly multiplying by fission or in the fantastic sense elaborated by chinese astrology in japan i have fully satisfied myself that the belief is universal it is not necessary to quote here from the buddhist texts because the common or popular beliefs and not the philosophy of a creed can alone furnish evidence that religious fervor is compatible and consistent with the notion of a composite soul certainly the japanese peasant does not think the psychical self nearly so complex a thing as buddhist philosophy considers it or as western science proves it to be but he thinks of himself as multiple the struggle within him between impulses good and evil he explains as a conflict between the various ghostly wills that make up his ego and his spiritual hope is to disengage his better self or selves from his worse selves nirvana or the supreme bliss being attainable only through the survival of the best within him thus his religion appears to be founded upon a natural perception of psychical evolution not nearly so remote from scientific thought as are those conventional notions of soul held by our common people at home of course his ideas on these abstract subjects are vague and unsystematized but their general character and tendencies are unmistakable and there can be no question whatever as to the earnestness of his faith or as to the influence of that faith upon his ethical life wherever belief survives among the educated classes the same ideas obtain definition and synthesis i may cite an example two selections from compositions written by students aged respectively twenty-three and twenty-six i might as easily cite a score but the following will sufficiently indicate what i mean nothing is more foolish than to declare the immortality of the soul the soul is a compound and though its elements be eternal we know they can never twice combine in exactly the same way all compound things must change their character and their conditions human life is composite a combination of energies make the soul when a man dies his soul may either remain unchanged or be changed according to that which it combines with some philosophers say the soul is immortal some that it is mortal they are both right the soul is mortal or immortal according to the change of the combinations composing it the elementary energies from which the soul is formed are indeed eternal but the nature of the soul is determined by the character of the combinations into which those energies enter now the ideas expressed in these compositions will appear to the western reader at first view unmistakably atheistic yet they are really compatible with the sincerest and deepest faith it is the use of the english word soul not understood at all as we understand it which creates the false impression soul in the sense used by the young writers means an almost infinite combination of both good and evil tendencies a compound doomed to disintegration not only by the very fact of its being a compound, but also by the eternal law of spiritual progress. Section four: That the idea which has been for thousands of years so vast a factor in oriental thought-life should have failed to develop itself in the West till within our own day is sufficiently explained by Western theology. Still, it would not be correct to say that theology succeeded in rendering the notion of pre-existence absolutely repellent to occidental minds though christian doctrine holding each soul specially created out of nothing to fit each new body permitted no avowed beliefs in pre-existence popular common sense recognized a contradiction of dogma in the phenomena of heredity in the same way while theology decided animals to be mere automata moved by a sort of incomprehensible machinery called instinct The people generally recognized that animals had reasoning powers the theories of instinct and of intuition held even a generation ago seem utterly barbarous today they were commonly felt to be useless as interpretations but as dogmas they served to check speculation and to prevent heresy wordsworth's fidelity and his marvelously overrated intimations of immortality bear witness to the extreme timidity and crudeness of western notions on these subjects even at the beginning of the century the love of the dog for his master is indeed great beyond all human estimate but for reasons wordsworth never dreamed about and although the fresh sensations of childhood are certainly intimations of something much more wonderful than wordsworth's denominational idea of immortality his famous stanza concerning them has been very justly condemned by mr john morley as nonsense before the decay of theology no rational ideas of psychological inheritance of the true nature of instinct or of the unity of life could possibly have forced their way to general recognition but with the acceptance of the doctrine of evolution old forms of thought crumbled new ideas everywhere arose to take the place of worn-out dogmas and we now have the spectacle of a general intellectual movement in directions strangely parallel with oriental philosophy the unprecedented rapidity and multiformity of scientific progress during the last fifty years could not have failed to provoke an equally unprecedented intellectual quickening among the non-scientific that the highest and most complex organisms have been developed from the lowest and simplest that a single physical basis of life is the substance of the whole living world that no line of separation can be drawn between the animal and vegetable that the difference between life and non-life is only a difference of degree not of kind the matter is not less incomprehensible than mind, while both are but varying manifestations of one and the same unknown reality these have already become the commonplaces of the new philosophy after the first recognition even by theology of physical evolution it was easy to predict that the recognition of psychical evolution could not be indefinitely delayed for the barrier erected by old dogma to keep men from looking backward had been broken down and today for the student of scientific psychology the idea of pre-existence passes out of the realm of theory into the realm of fact proving the buddhist explanation of the universal mystery quite as plausible as any other none but very hasty thinkers wrote the late professor huxley will reject it on the ground of inherent absurdity like the doctrine of evolution itself that of transmigration has its roots in the world of reality and it may claim such support as the great argument from analogy is capable of supplying now this support as given by professor huxley is singularly strong it offers us no glimpse of a single soul flitting from darkness to light from death to rebirth through myriads of millions of years but it leaves the main idea of pre-existence almost exactly in the form enunciated by the buddha himself in the oriental doctrine the psychical personality like the individual body is an aggregate doomed to disintegration by psychical personality i mean here that which distinguishes mind from mind the me from the you that which we call self to buddhism this is a temporary composite of illusions what makes it is the karma what reincarnates it is the karma the sum total of the acts and thoughts of countless anterior existences each one of which as an integer in some great spiritual system of addition and subtraction may affect all the rest like a magnetism the karma is transmitted from form to form from phenomenon to phenomenon determining conditions by combinations the ultimate mystery of the concentrative and creative effects of karma the buddhist acknowledges to be inscrutable but the cohesion of effects he declares to be produced by tanha the desire of life corresponding to what schopenhauer called the will to live now we find in herbert spencer's biology a curious parallel for this idea he explains the transmission of tendencies and their variations by a theory of polarities polarities of the physiological unit between this theory of polarities and the buddhist theory of tanha, the difference is much less striking than the resemblance karma or heredity tanha or polarity are inexplicable as to their ultimate nature buddhism and science are here at one the fact worthy of attention Is that both recognize the same phenomena under different names? End of chapter 12, part 1. Recording by expatriate in Bangor, Maine.